Hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of Creator Spotlight from The Interface. Creator Spotlight is our new series where we talk to creators about what they make and do and how they got started. Today I'm joined by Natisha Chatton from AutoSocial UK. Uh, so welcome. Thank you for having me. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, so 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 for people that don't know much about you, um so you you run do you run the YouTube channel AutoSocial? Is that your own channel or Yes, that one is my yeah. own, yeah, that's all mine. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and I've seen you you also do some stuff for other people. So I've um so you do electro is it electroheads? Electroheads, well? yeah. So that's the I kind of guest present um for that company. Ah, nice. So so I'm guessing I'm guessing those two things together are like a full time full time thing? Yeah, it wasn't always. Um so actually <laughs> literally where I am right now, so this where I am right now used to be my full time job. Um, so this was just photographing stock for a local dealer. And then for a long time, I was juggling as many things as I possibly could. So I had, well, I pretty much went down to say say like four days a week, um, photographing stock. One day a week I would present for Electroheads. And then on the weekends I'd be building my own channel. So it was like crazy hectic. Um, but then slowly as I've come along, I've just been dropping more and more days at this job photographing stock and picking up more days kind of presenting for my own channel as things have kind of escalated and events have come up. And um, yeah, and now I'm pretty much down to, well, it's about three days a month here now. Um, and bless them, they're really great because they let me have cars delivered here. And like today, like I'm doing a bit of um, work for them, but then also I was like, I need to film a podcast on my lunch. So yeah, they've been a massive support, but so pretty much content creation is now my full-time job, but it's only been that way for probably kind of the last three or four months. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that, that recent. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I, you've managed yeah. to get a lot of new cars to review, like the, the bath that you reviewed the other week and, um, uh, and also the, uh, I think you messaged me as what well, you emailed me as well, saying you're with you with Kia as well. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it seems to be a lot of traveling around and and getting new cars. It's very impressive. So that's good. Yeah, for sure. The it's... interesting thing about this industry is it's the way that everybody juggles the industry and how they want to work it. Because with these a lot of these events, they sound amazing, and especially when mm. people say to you like they'll call me up and they'll say, "Oh, Tish, next week we're wondering if you wanted to come drive a Golf R in Wales." And obviously your answer wants to every time be like, yes, but you do, you do kind of have to juggle with whether the return of investment is worth it. Because for me personally, it's okay if I've been sent on behalf of Electroheads because that's kind of included in the payment. But if it's for me personally, then I have to weigh up, right, is the return of investment enough for me to have two days away from the business to kind of do this mm. thing so you want to say yes to everything um and currently i do say yes to everything but there probably will come a time when you start to say like no i, d- I think i have to say no to this one yeah especially when yeah you're it was well one it's good that the manufacturers are, are letting someone who's up and coming review stuff um that's that's really good because they you, you get the impression that they just only let bigger publications review stuff so it's really good that they're letting well, they're enabling people to come up and and get started. It's the same with, same with tech stuff and phone reviews and that sort of thing. So, um, that's really good. Um, but yeah, you, you have to balance, 
uh, yeah, you have to balance whether or not that video is going to make the money for you. So, um, do you solely rely on AdSense from YouTube? Do you, or is that the um, main? So it's it's all a bit of a, a like weighing up from different areas. So um, AdSense is a big chunk of what I earn, um, but Electroheads, I mean, it does feel like everything that I've done, everything has happened for a reason. And there's a lot of things that if those opportunities hadn't come up, it wouldn't have allowed me to be able to do other things. For instance, if I didn't have electroheads, I would not be able to not have another job because mm. I can, uh, having electroheads and having a few days a month presenting for them allows me to be able to take a little bit of a step back and between electroheads and um, my AdSense on YouTube, that's kind of like the bulk of my money. And then the rest of the time I can kind of enjoy being able to go on events and grow my channel and grow my social media. But had I not have had that opportunity approached by Electroheads, I wouldn't have this much freedom. So it's very lucky that that's allowed me to be able to have this freedom. Um, I'm sure I'd still be doing it in some kind of way, um, but it probably would have involved a lot more kind of working at the weekends. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely. It definitely takes a long time to get to get where you want to go. So, when I spoke, so I spoke to most of the people I've had on this podcast so far are very much independent. They do a lot of things by themselves. So mm-hmm. I spoke to Andrew Till, who, who runs. I don't know if you've heard of his channel, Mister Ev. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. does everything himself. So he films all himself. Um, he edits all himself, and edits can take all day. So yeah. do you? What's the process like for? A, so if we take a, a typical auto auto social UK video. What's the what's the the whole process like? Because I'm interested to see what that's like. Yes, so I do film everything myself and I do edit everything myself for my own channel. Um, so yeah, it involved kind of filming the full review with the car and then taking all of that footage back off of the different um, equipment that I filmed with, and then editing that and then obviously putting that onto YouTube. The interesting thing about YouTube um, and I can imagine if you speak to a lot of YouTubers, they'll say the same, is um, I always started off, well, in fact, before I even began, I thought that it had to be so perfect and the content had to be unbelievable and that was the only way I was going to be able to make it. So I bought this really big fancy camera. Um, I didn't know anything starting out and I just bought this big fancy um, Canon camera and I was like, right, that's what I'm going to film my videos on because I'd seen online that it was good for creating so YouTube videos. At the time, I didn't know there's two very big differences between YouTube videos. You have the YouTubers that sit down at a desk and shoot, and you have the YouTubers that go out and vlog as such, which is probably closer mm-hmm. to what I do. So the camera yeah. that I had bought unknowingly was the one that was for sitting down behind the camera and not, not really moving very much. Um, and actually a friend who was quite big into tech at the time said to me, that's all well and good, Tish. Like, I like that you're investing in the channel but did you know that that camera you bought shoots in a lower quality than your mobile phone so he said to me there's there's really no because it it didn't have um it didn't have automatic focusing and um because i just i just got what i thought was the right thing so from that moment forward i think i filmed one video with that camera and from that moment forward (laughs) i filmed everything on my phone um, and I'm three years down the line now. I mean, I have two phones. I have um, a filming phone and my own phone, and I film between the two. Um, and it's just not worth the investment of a big fancy camera because I have used videographers in the past, and 
there's no correlation to the bigger, more impressive production and better views. The videos consistently do kind of their own thing, regardless of really how high the quality is. I mean, I always try and shoot in 4K anyway, so that's quite important to me. And I try to make mm-hmm. quite a glossy production, um, but it's all it's all shot on, shot on mobile phones. And I don't know, I'd, I eventually maybe I will upgrade, but for now, there's nothing more convenient than be able to shoot on a mobile phone and airdrop all of my clips onto my Mac. Because then for me personally, when I'm doing everything on my own, that's such a quick process. And it kind of takes away the having to bring extra equipment and memory cards corrupting. Like there's so many things that can go wrong. And actually shooting on a mobile is probably the best way of having consistent kind of content that, that doesn't corrupt. Yeah, definitely. You would I, honestly, you'd have no idea watching your videos. You have no idea that it's filmed on a phone. And I, it, it's funny the amount of stuff probably on YouTube that is filmed on phones. Yeah. Um. There's yeah. There's a. It, it, you'd have no idea. So it's it's a testament to the quality of them, really. So, yeah, you've, it's it's such a good production. So, definitely. Yeah, stuff stuff I've done. So at the moment for this 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 podcast, I'm using my phone as my main camera. Um. So you can sort of use the phone as a camera for your Mac instead. Yeah. The stuff I've done elsewhere as well. I've used phones for cameras, and there's I noticed you've got the Rode mics as well. Yes. So I've I've used those as well. They're really good. They're so. really good. Yeah. They're they're actually. Yeah. So the company that I'm here with today, they've been such a huge support in what I'm what I'm doing because I actually I took on that role during lockdown, and I said mm. to them like ultimately they always knew that this was the goal. The channel was was what I was aiming towards. So as much as I wanted to work for them, I I was never going to be putting everything I have into that job because ultimately I wanted to grow my YouTube. And they were so supportive Mm. of that. And in fact, they were so supportive of that that they bought me my first Rode mic. So they're like, we want to be part of this journey. Like we want to support you. So I think I've done some work with them previously because they were very early, early on. They were one of the dealers that gave me cars to be able to create content right um and they said like we want to continue this support and by doing that like we want to improve your content so so here's a road mic and yes yeah, it, it's two two years down the line and i still use that same road mic and it's it's still really good yeah they're, they're really good actually yeah so the that's the very first video you did was on a up gti i think yes um yeah so i've we've got that being common so my my car I've got at the moment is an is an up GTI as well. Oh, so amazing! Um... I've got I've got another one now. <laughs> I've bought another one. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So that that very first one is that from the same dealer you're you're at now? Is it? No, so that, so was, that is that, that how you got was that? Actually no. At the time okay. I worked in sales at Volkswagen, so that was my oh, demonstrator right. car. Yeah, that was when I very first started out. Um, and yeah, so that was my demo whilst I worked at Volkswagen in sales, but I, I never really liked working in sales. I knew that I needed to get no. away, away from doing that. Fair enough. Yeah, it's a great little car. Um, it's I bought bought mine um, when it was actually discontinued, so they pulled it off sale for a period yeah. of time um, due to like emissions, I think, um, but it bumped way up in price uh, after that. So I, I managed to pick up a one that was six months old, uh, thankfully, while it was still quite a good price, which is... But yeah, it's a great little car. So there's there is nothing that comes close to that car because uh, on my channel, a lot of people often joke that I'm 
Volkswagen, I'm, I'm Volkswagen obsessed or I'm Volkswagen biased. And um, I kind right. of, I, I didn't actually really want to get a Volkswagen, but when I lined up what I needed, so I needed a car which was reliable, that had warranty included, that was fun, that was gonna like have that element of performance to be able to create content for the channel. Um, but I don't like particularly big cars. It needed to be something small. Um, and there's, there's, there is nothing like that that is that much fun that can still average on like 55 miles per gallon. It's, it's such a good car. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it's, it's relatively comfortable. Um, there are some, some bits of the roads, which are bits like, oof. Yeah. Um, I've done, I've done holidays in it. It fits a lot of stuff in there. Uh, it's very comfortable. Um, so yeah, it's, and also the, like the, for how much noise it makes and how much drama it makes inside the car. Um, and that, and the mass per gallon you get back from it, it's, it's great. So definitely <laughs> yeah um so all the cars out of all the cars you reviewed so far um so sorry out of all the cars you reviewed and owned so far what would what would be your favorite favorite one that you've reviewed do you think oh wow that's such a hard <laughs> hard thing to answer because there's been so many and i love so many different cars for so many different reasons um i actually on the channel i don't tend to do anything too out there expensive just because mm -hmm. um for me personally it's not the content that i like to consume and i feel like i can openly talk about kind of like everyday cars that we can actually afford that's why i love the up gti so much because it's like it's not this really flashy car that costs loads and loads of money like it's actually yeah. a car which is accessible and fun um so i i mean i i love my up gti i don't think there's anything quite like it on the market um i have however since i've started the channel um fallen in love with hyundai's um and everything that hyundai mm. are up to i love the ionic 5 i think that car looks incredible charge rates are, are amazing it, it's got a really good amount of range it's just different as well and it's like the space is completely reimagined for an electric car and then on the whole other side of the spectrum with Hyundai is their performance cars and the i30N, the i20N, and even the Kona-N. I've never driven cars that quite give you a smile like those cars do. I think what they're doing is just amazing at the moment. Yeah, they've, especially the, well, the Chinese brands and the Korean brands, they've definitely come an extremely long way in like 20 years yeah. i remember i watched a very very early episode of top gear from like 2003 2004 they had a whole 10 15 minute segment on on korean cars that are crap yeah and if you look now coming where we are now it's it's they've, they've done such a good what uh, they've launched so many good cars like the electric cars and it's just so. in in general it's a mad time for cars like it's because i think uh, it's always been an in obviously it's always been an interesting industry to work in and things have always moved quickly but the thing with being in the automotive industry at the moment is even the people who are deep into the industry have no idea what's going on no idea what's happening next mm. because it's like things are moving so quickly and the brands who used to be at the top of their game are very very quickly being overtaken by brand new brands and just the switch of like i think for, for ages i mean i do come from a place who I, I like an underdog 
So I always I do concentrate a little bit more on what the underdogs are doing than perhaps the big brands. Um, but I really think there's been a massive shift from between the days of everybody wanted to own a Mercedes, an Audi or a BMW. That was the goal. Everybody wanted to own one of those cars. I don't think that's mm. like that anymore. I think people are willing to kind of look at the kit, look at everything. Like it's, a, it's much more, people are less interested on the badge on the front, more interested in what you're actually getting. I mean, it's for instance, yeah. like the cars that, that Kia are coming out with, like the Kia EV6. There is nothing premium or non-premium which comes close to that car in every every sense of what it's worth. And yeah, I think it's a really exciting time for the industry because yeah, it's just so many twists and turns and just not knowing what's going to happen next. Yeah, definitely. So I've, I've one car that is definitely, well, one car that definitely has that um, characteristic about it is the MG4, I think. Yeah. I think you reviewed it on Electroheads. And everyone that I've spoke to so far has, has raved yeah. about it. Just just the, the value of what that car provides. That's another example of a MG mg's combustion cars weren't the best when they first came out 10 years ago i think and they weren't they weren't quite there but they're they're electric models everyone seems to love them i mean people use them as taxis at the mg5 so i think the thing with the thing with the mg everything's turned on its head it it definitely has and the thing with the mg4 was is that i went to review that car and um i actually i do a little bit of research before but i tend to hold a lot back and just go on, on my own opinions and with that car, yeah. I just was waiting for there to be something that it wasn't good at, and it, it just, and it just didn't come. It was it was really consistently good at everything, and the only thing that I think mm-hmm. it falls down on, especially from trying other other kind of Chinese cars like the Aura, the new Aura Cab, um, the infotainment system is not it isn't great. But then everything else surrounding it is so good that I really, really don't think it matters. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, the simplicity of it as well. There's not many trim levels. There's only like two or three. Yeah. There's no options from what I, what I can see. Yeah. And then you mentioned the infotainment, but the when you compare it to something like the ID3, the ID3 is 12K more, yeah. I think. Yeah, 12K more for roughly the same thing. Um, but the... The infotainment on those isn't isn't quite as as good as it should no. be. Um, it's less for, it's less heard, forgivable. So. It's I think that's the, that's the yeah. thing. I think the they're, they're not perfect. They, these Chinese cars are not perfect, and nobody says that they are. But the difference is is because of the price point, they're forgivable. Whereas it's like I think yeah. a lot of people are losing a lot of that connection that they had with more premium brands like Volkswagen, like Audi, because it's less forgivable now. You, you don't want to be paying £50,000 for a car which is really difficult to use and doesn't even have alloy wheels. It's, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, uh, I think, bringing people's mindsets round. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, and uh, the car people I spoke to um, before on other episodes, they've said the same thing. It's just, it's like you said, it's everything's going, everything's just twisted and yeah. <laughs> I can see why people don't know what's happening next. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of your, well, you mentioned you got the Up GTR as well. Yeah. You got an, is it is the Abarth that I've seen on the channel? Is that is that another daily driver you've got, or is that? So, a... um, the Up GTI was a replacement for the Abarth. Um, the Abarth was actually ah, okay. quite.
quite early on. So I, I used to have um I had used to have a little um Volkswagen up before, but not a non-performance version. Like it was a nice version. It was a street yeah. up. I loved it. Um, but I had that previously. But with the prices of cars just going insane, um, and I think I was on like forty. I think I was on like forty-eight thousand miles in that car. And I just thought, now's the time if I'm going to cash in on that vehicle is to do it now. And I think I had it for two years mm-hmm. of ownership and lost no money on it at all. So I just wanted to get out of the finance and just at that point sell it when it was worth a lot of money. Um, so it left me without a car kind of to drive every day. I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I didn't really want to commit to a vehicle so I kind of reached out and said, does anyone know of any short-term leasing? And um, some people approached me about like, various subscription services of cars. Um, and there was, mm. Onto was the one that came up a lot. So they're the electric car subscription service. Yep. I've done a bit of work with them recently. Um, but it was also the one that they approached yeah. me with was SoGo. So SoGo, very similar to Onto, right. are a subscription service. Um, but they also do petrol cars as well although less and less now but Mm. at the time they did and um, yeah they approached me and basically said like do you want to have a quick look on the website see if there's anything that takes your fancy and then I just saw this like bright green our bar knew nothing about them (laughs) other than I knew that they made a lot of noise and I was like oh that could be really interesting for the channel so yeah so we had a bit of a discussion and and, um, I ended up leasing that off of them but the funny thing about it was when we first spoke to them, I, I literally said to them, I'm probably only going to keep it three, four months before I decide to do something else. Um, I ended up having that car a year and a, a, year and a half. Um, and they physically had to like prize it out of my hands and be like, no, this isn't, isn't the idea of the website. You need to give this back now. Um, like, of course, they'd have let me stay in it, but it was not really fair because it was not really what it was designed to be. Um, so yeah, that's what forced my hand in buying the up GTI. Um, but as much it was a very that's much love hate relationship with that car, but I miss it a lot. Yeah, they are quite. From what I can gather, I've never driven one, but I can gather they're quite small inside. There's not much space, but the noise probably makes makes up for yeah, that. I mean, so. there's so many things that are completely Definitely. unforgivable about it. I it, it, the the seating position is absolutely dreadful. There, if you think the up GTI <laughs> is a, a rough ride. It's such a rough ride. The equipment is so low on them, and um, I absolutely dread to think if that car was to go back through like a um, end cap testing because it. I don't think it would even come out of a single star because it's got none of the modern yeah. modern equipment. But then you just forget all about that when you put your foot down because it makes so much noise and it's so engaging and it's so much fun to drive and they look great as well. Um, that you just forget, you forget everything that's kind of like negative about them. So yeah, I certainly wouldn't call it a good car, but it is a fun car. Yeah. So on the subject of the bath, so when when you reviewed the the bath five hundred E, I yes. think it's called. At that, if if the bath, the petrol ones are, are not massively good quality, though that one looks amazing quality. Um, I've watched reviews of the Fiat version, and that's it's nothing like a Fiat five hundred. It's 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 completely completely different car. It's amazing. 
Um, did you have a chance to drive that on that press no, launch? I did, it no, not they driven? were driving it around, but okay. um, it's not being able to be driven yet. But like you say, essentially, okay. the setup is very similar to the electric Fiat 500, just with a bit more power. I can imagine it's going to be slightly stiffer in its yeah. steering. Um, so, it, yeah, it will have a different setup. I can imagine it will be reasonably the same. Yeah, it looks, looks very good quality. A lot of materials they've used and... Um, the infotainment screen looks pretty yeah, good. Yeah, so. a lot, lot better. Definitely. Because that was a problem with the previous one, you see. It was um, it was tilted, but it was tilted for left-hand drive. So um, it was tilted towards the passenger. And the problem was, is that when it was sunny, you couldn't see anything. <laughs> it was like, it was you couldn't see the screen, uh, right. especially if you had a convertible. Whereas now, the new slightly larger yeah. screen, it's a lot easier to use. Yeah, it's, it's a lot better. I think... Um, the, the the problem with the Abarth 500e is the price point, because the Abarth was always like the people's car. It was a car a bit like the Up GTI, which was accessible. Now they think that the mm. Abarth 500e is going to be the best part of forty five thousand pounds, and which is just insane, absolutely insane. <laughs> so it's like yeah, in my head I was I was thinking below forty maybe, but. Well, <laughs> I came in with thirty six thousand because um, that's the because the, the top spec five hundred e is like thirty five. So I was like, well, I reckon about thirty six, mm. and they were like, go a bit higher, go a bit higher. So uh, I think I think they're going to start from around thirty eight forty. But the one that I reviewed, which is the Scorpionissima, they always have the most ridiculous names. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be the best part of forty five, probably. Cool. Um, yeah, while we're on the subject of onto, um, that seems like a really, really good idea. Yeah. That does. Um, I mean, I, I watched. There's a guy, uh, Ian. I can't remember his last name. Ian from okay, yeah, yeah. on YouTube. Um, yeah, he he's primarily old cars, basically old um, random things no one's heard of and <laughs> all that sort of stuff. But he's he's had a 500e as well, and it's quite interesting to see his yeah. take on it, um, where he lives in the middle of Wales. Um, it's such a good idea. All the like the charging um, yeah. cards and the insurance as well, isn't it? And the yeah, breakdown. pretty much everything included. Uh, I know they've reached out to quite. It's, it's I think as well yeah. like when you first hear the price and you're like five hundred pounds for uh, a Fiat five hundred, mm. you think, oh my god, that is so much money. And I know it is all a marketing ploy, but genuinely, yeah. if you break it down, it really isn't far off of what it would cost you to have like a, a petrol car. Um, and it's just it. For me, the only thing I find about it, and the only thing about there, I mean, I, the car goes back soon, so I can talk openly about it. The only thing I found is, is that they've given a lot of those cars to people who have never had an electric car before. And I feel like the ownership is very, very, very different between onto. I mean, it's all well and good for me to say, here's a car worth £500 a month and all your charging is free. Well, you're going to be well happy. Like, <laughs> you're not going to feel negative yeah. about that and, and the, the difference is is every time I go to charge the Fiat 500 because um, they get free charging at Shell Recharge, Ionity and also Instavolt which covers quite a large portion of them and every time you go to charge mm. you're well chuffed because you're sitting there and it might take you 40 minutes to charge the car to like 80% and usually you'd be sitting there thinking, God, I'm, I'm fed up. 
But because it's not your money, <laughs> you sit there thinking, like, feeling quite happy about it. You're like, oh, I'm spending somebody else's money. And you see that price going up and up. And I mean, most charges are now around 75p per kilowatt. So it's like to put 100 miles Jeez. in the theatre is costing over £20, which is expensive. It's a lot of money. So it's, it's yeah. like, as much as I think it's fantastic, and I do think that ownership, using onto as an ownership is fantastic, it does lure you into a little bit of a false sense of security. Because had I had a car mm. that I was then paying £20, 20 pounds to get 100 miles, I wouldn't be as happy as I would if I was spending somebody else's money. So no. it's, it's all spins and roundabouts. And actually, because this information is available to everyone, I did have an email come through to them and I thought this would happen. So they've now dropped Shell Recharge. You can charge for free at, uh. um, I think it's Instabol, but if you want to charge yep. at Ionity, it's a further £100 a month. For a subscription for to pay, yeah. So, but it's because I knew yeah. that it wouldn't be viable for them because people, everyone is char is using those chargers to charge their cars, and it's costing two hundred pounds. Like if you think of it as it costs twenty pounds per hundred miles, and people can put seven hundred seven hundred miles on those cars a month, like they're losing a lot of money on charging. So I kind of always knew that was going to happen. It is it is a fantastic idea, but people have to be careful that it doesn't lure them into a false sense of security with electric cars. Yeah, definitely. It's the same reason why the, the Tesco charging has now gone paid. It just it's, It can only be so free for so long, and with the well, cost of electricity, yeah, as well, got, it's just I gone. Got, I probably so. put my foot in that. with um, I did a Volkswagen event, and obviously Volkswagen look after the cars. And I, I said to them, oh, yeah, it's a nightmare now that they've cancelled free charging because I used to leave my car there and walk home. And they were like, you are oh, literally no. <laughs> the reason we've had to stop doing it for free. But it's, it, everybody was doing it because it was, it was so accessible. Mm. Um, and I would leave it there for a few hours and then come back and get my car. Um, but it's not really what they were designed to do. And unfortunately, it was people like me that really. <laughs> were abusing them. It's the reason that they got taken <clears throat> away. But yeah, it's, it's a hard time for electric, actually, because a lot of things that were pros are now kind of not so pros. Yeah. Yeah, there's a number of things like the, the road tax was going to come into play in a few years' time. The price of electricity has gone up. Um, uh, what other things? There's the government grants gone as well. So. There's quite a few things recently that's sort of all at one, all at once just hit it. So, yeah. So I think that's all I got time for. If that's okay. Uh, well, I've not got time for, but all I've run out of stuff. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Thank, thank you for joining me. Uh, I'll just do the yeah, sure, outro bit if that's okay. So, um, okay. Thank you for Natasha for joining me on the Creator Spotlight. Uh, this is actually going to be the last episode of 2022. We'll be back sometime next year for season two of this the podcast. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you or follow, find you on social media, where can uh, they yeah, find you? Yeah, so it's Auto Social UK on YouTube, so that's the main outlet, and then um, similar on Instagram, but little dashes in between each of them, um, and TikTok as well. Also, Auto Social UK. 
yeah, we'll put the links down below for you so people can find that. Uh, you can also find the t-shirt on Electroheads as well, which is sometimes just guest guest uh, videos as well. So thank you for joining me, and I'll see you again Thanks next time. Me.